0: I'm Rod Little, and you're listening to Global Disruptors, uncovering the world's most successful entrepreneurs. This is Disrupt Radio Australia. Oh, Lord, here she comes. The exquisitely self-regarding colossus of American broadcasting. Once the world's only black billionaire, and easily the most influential African-American who ever breathed, Yes, supposedly more influential than Martin Luther King or Rosa Parks or toussaint leur Influential in what way, I suppose, is a question which we ought to answer over the next half an hour or so. But you would not doubt her grandeur, nor her sense of herself, nor indeed the degree to which the American public, or a decent proportion of it, hangs on to her every
1: word. In Black America, she is queen. She is queen, she is media maven, she is a business blueprint.
2: I would say Oprah is the ultimate crossover artist in everything because the focus of her work is always about human beings, it's about people.
1: You don't have to say Oprah Winfrey, you say Oprah. I call her one of my sheroes, S-H-E-R-O. As
3: audiences got so comfortable and used to her in their talk show role, how she removes herself from that and picks and choose when she
4: wants to reemerge. And when she does reemerge, it's an event. She knows her customer inside out. The reason she's lasted as long as she has, in an industry, by the way, that is way more difficult than most industries to survive in, just because she always focuses on the customer.
5: My job was really to be there when she couldn't be there. Oprah often said as well that it's not about what you do, but about who you are.
2: beginning, I was just a fan. I think at the end, I was an admirer in a much deeper sense, I would say.
3: She turned that talk show into a communications powerhouse. Oprah.
0: Just a first name is enough for this American celebrity billionaire businesswoman to be recognized. Just like Beyonce, Cher, Madonna, and Prince. In fact, the letters of her name are a key part of her individual brand and the media empire created by Oprah Winfrey. Own, O W N, the Oprah Winfrey Network on television, O Magazine in the US and South Africa, and of course, Harpo Productions. That's Oprah spelled backwards, and the name of the company that made what she is most famous for. The Oprah Winfrey Show. That show was broadcast for 25 seasons in the U.S. from 1986 to 2011, and was shown in 149 countries around the world. It's the highest rated talk show in U.S. TV history and was the springboard to creating Oprah's varied business portfolio that made her the first black female billionaire in the United States in 2003. Sometimes called the queen of all media, Oprah was also the richest African-American of the 20th century. Revolutionising the TV chat show format, Oprah became a brand in herself, even becoming a marketing tool on the way through the so-called Oprah effect. But who is this host, producer, media owner, philanthropist, actress, and author named Oprah? And what skills did she use to achieve such immense business success?
5: Before there was Facebook, Oprah already had her kind of Facebook friends. Before there was, you know, book clubs. Everybody's got a book club now. Oprah started a book club in 1993 when there was no social media. The book club engine was the Oprah Winfrey show. And what she is absolutely brilliant at is spotting an opportunity before everybody else has seen that opportunity. And I think, you know, we talked about the pivot last year and, and during those COVID years, She was a master of the pivot, even before there was such a thing, because she knew when things were not going well, before you risk people's livelihoods, before you did, let's move it in a different direction. It's happened with the US magazine as well, where they've now gone digital. I think that seeing something and saying, this thing is going to be big and Everybody else hasn't realized it yet. She was an early adopter of the Amazon Kindle. She put it on her favorite things. The Kindle didn't sell before that, but she also showed people the value of products and services that fit into their lifestyle. And again, this was quite revolutionary because people were not selling in that way necessarily before. And it's an actual marketing term, It's called the Oprah effect. You know, when Oprah spots an opportunity, it's an endorsement. She was an influencer before people had a name for it. When she said, I don't like burgers, the Texans took her to court because, you know, they were scared that because Oprah said she didn't like burgers, nobody would buy their burgers.
0: Imagine being seen to have such commercial influence that just saying you don't like burgers gets you a lawsuit from the farmers of Texas. Quite a scary thought. Oprah was cleared after a six-week trial in Amarillo. Anyway, that was South African media specialist Samantha Page. She worked for Oprah from 2002 to 2013 at O Magazine in South Africa, the only country, other than the US, where Oprah launched her lifestyle magazine, influenced by none other than President Nelson Mandela. Oprah Winfrey was born in rural Mississippi in 1954 to her single mother, a teenager living a difficult life in poverty. Dr. Tanya Lee Stone is the author of Success with an Open Heart, a biography of Oprah Winfrey written for young people.
6: I think Oprah is an amazing example of a person who was born with intense curiosity and an intellect, a desire to engage with the world. And that's an attractive quality for me as a writer to come across somebody like that and write about somebody like that for developing readers who are learning about who they are in the world and can be. One of the things that stuck with me about Oprah's growing up was that she, for her first several years of life, was raised by her grandmother because her mother was not able to care for her. And she learned really fundamental things from living with her grandmother, like reading and writing and math, all by the time she was three. And she loved to read out loud, and her grandmother would take her to church, and she would read out loud in the church. Then a little bit later on in her life, when she was just six, she went to go live with her father. And that was a whole new environment that really nurtured her intellect. and she was not only, you know, reading for school, but her father and stepmother had her doing book reports at home and learning vocabulary words and things like that. She lived with her father a few different times. The latest time in the chronology, I think she was 14 when she moved back in with her dad and stepmother. And they were also super strict. And so they gave her boundaries to work with and didn't let her stay out late or break the rules. And You know she was quoted as saying when my father took me in it changed my life he saved me so i settled down and never pulled another trick (laughs) so you know a lot of this has to do with the person that she grew up to be
0: race and inequality features strongly in the events of the united states of america oprah winfrey's upbringing and career are no different and her personal experiences with topics like sexual abuse teenage pregnancy and miscarriage enabled her to openly engage with her audiences when discussing these subjects. Author, Dr. Tanya Lee Stone.
6: Her dad realized how smart she was, and he sent her to a better school, that she had to take several buses to over 20 miles just to get there. And it was a totally different world because most of the students were from white upper-class families. And so the life that Oprah was able to observe there was just so much different From the life she had experienced, especially when during the time she was living with her mother, she said returning home from Nicolette at the end of the day was like going back to Cinderella's house from the castle every night. And so she really loved school and she really, really thrived in the high school that she went to. Nashville's East High School got A's easily, let's say. And as she had sort of hearkening back to her young life as a toddler with her grandmother speaking at church... She started speaking to church groups again when she was in high school, and she started winning speaking contests. And she was talking, even then at that age, about the rights of women and about African-Americans. And when she was 17, she was invited to a White House conference on youth and entered a national speaking contest. So she was really um, developing her talents as a speaker, as a young teenager. A year before she had gone to the White House conference, she had been asked to speak at a church group in Hollywood, in L.A., and she loved it there, and she loved doing the speaking, and she ended up meeting somebody that asked to sponsor her for a March of Dimes birth defects foundation that was something that she was doing to raise money in her senior year, and one of the people that asked to sponsor her was a DJ from a radio station, and. Once they heard her speaking voice, they asked her to talk on the radio. And so that was her first paid speaking gig. She started reading the news after school and getting paid $100 a week. So that was her sort of first taste of reading on the air. And she became pretty popular pretty quickly.
0: Oprah then moved from radio into TV news while still at college. She became a news anchor at the remarkably young age of 19, deciding to leave her studies to do so. And she became the first black woman to read the news on TV in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Rod Little. You're listening to Global Disruptors on Disrupt Radio Australia. So Oprah Winfrey's journalistic success at such a young age showed she clearly had an intellect, personality, curiosity and communication skills that would go on to form the basis of her media empire. But her first, what we'd call now business pivot, came from a realisation that her empathy meant that perhaps a newsroom wasn't actually the right place for her. Author Dr Tanya Lee Stone
6: again. She would... Get upset on the air if the story was sad or dangerous or, you know, somebody got hurt. And that's not okay when you're reading the news. <laughs> and so she really kind of had to face the fact that she wasn't cut out for the news because she'd have to fight back her tears. So she left doing the anchor job. And that is when an opportunity came up to host a talk show. And once she sort of started doing that i think that first show was called people are talking and it was co-hosted with a guy named richard Scher. once she started doing that i think she realized this is it this is what i love doing this is what i was meant to do
0: this was in 1978 in baltimore oprah then moved to chicago and in 1984 took on a morning chat show that within a month became the most watched show in the city Oprah's broad range of skills saw a cast in her debut acting performance in the 1985 film The Colour Purple, for which she was nominated for both an Academy Award and an Emmy. Her Chicago TV chat show was then renamed The Oprah Winfrey Show, and it was picked up for broadcast nationally. So what actually is Oprah's line of business? Professor Mark Anthony Neal has followed Oprah's career and works in the Department of African and African-American Studies at Duke
3: University. She started out as a talk show host, primarily catering to a largely female, typically white, stay-at-home mom type, watch her show and others to get advice. But she turned that talk show into a communications powerhouse. She turned herself into a brand. And I think she spoon-fed her audience around race. Even when there were controversial issues, she herself didn't take a hard line, at least in those early days of the show. And I think, you know, part of what you want as the host of a show like that, besides informing a public and, and having people be able to watch shows and interact with other folks, you want to be able to claim that you can deliver an audience to advertisers. And we think about The mainstream buying public and the role that white women, particularly mothers, play in that in terms of the stuff that they're buying, everything from napkins to paper towels to processed cheese to cereal, who also want to feel as though they know what's going on in the world. So if Oprah says to you, buy this book, (laughs) you will buy this book. You want to feel better about yourself. If Oprah says to you that you need to listen to this self-help person, even if it's Dr. Phil, right? you will buy his books and eventually watch his show. I think she is the kind of figure as a black woman who was unimaginable 50 years ago. So Oprah has companies and
0: products that made her a billionaire, but she also has Oprah, the brand. Similarly to Oprah, Tabney Doja is a journalist and also is the CEO of Tabney Doja Enterprises, a black-owned media company.
1: Oprah laid the foundation as a young black girl growing up. There was not a lot of people who looked like me on television. So she has been a foundational... Uh, I call her one of my sheroes, S-H-E-R-O. And so, you know, the older I've gotten, you know, I learned more... Because she was in local news before I was born. And so to see her path be similar, you know, my path is similar to hers in terms of she worked in Baltimore, she worked in Nashville, and then she, too, pivoted. She, too, recognized her excellence. and, And she, too, fought obstacles, barriers, racism, sexism, and paved her own path that suited her, I absolutely model You know, Oprah Winfrey Network, and then I did Tabney Dozier Enterprises. You know, it's, it's just very, utilizing the name, the name is everywhere, you know, branding at its finest. She was a foundational influence for me in that realm, in journalism and now in the business realm.
0: Oprah Winfrey is so famous, she only needs her first name. And in many ways, she is her brand and therefore her business. It's been suggested in the past that she is overly protective of her own reputation and image, which seems surprising for someone who promotes self help and encourages openness with and from interviewees. Speaking to Fortune magazine in 2002, she said, If I lost control of the business, I'd lose myself, or at least the ability to be myself. Owning myself is a way to be myself. Oprah also set a legal requirement on people who work for her. A confidentiality agreement to never reveal anything about Oprah, even after you've stopped working for her. One of the companies created under her brand is the quite obviously named O, the Oprah magazine, founded in the US and then in South Africa in 2002. Tueni Gondwi Klaber was the launch editor of O magazine in South Africa.
2: The first time we met was hilarious because I was going to go to her office for this interview and I was absolutely petrified. All of a sudden, I like lost every bit of my chutzpah and I was terrified. And I saw her coming in through the doors at the front. Advertiser were in and people were kind of like standing up and, and I panicked and I ran away, literally physically ran away. I went to the bathroom to sort of gather myself so I could come out and give her like a very sort of composed... You know greeting and to reassure her like you know i'm a girl from africa but you know what i know what i'm doing and standing in the stall, talking myself up like okay i can make it i can do it and then i heard the door next to me open and close and then i went out and i was kind of washing my hands like okay i can go back out and sort of face this i have to at some point i have to meet her and i looked up in the mirror and she was coming out of the bathroom and i was just like no way what is this what's happening to me and she looks at me and she says, Tawini, it's you, right? And I was just so shocked. The level of preparation that this woman has, the level of knowledge, like she knew what I was going to look like, greeted me and welcomed me, gave me a big hug. and And I was just like shocked, just grinning like a fool, not able to say anything. And she said, I know, I know. I know it's shocking. I also go to the bathroom, (laughs) you know, and that just broke the ice. You know, she said, but don't tell the others. I think they'll be very disappointed. Just that an amazing sense of humor that just put me at ease. By the time we got to her office, I was sort of at ease and we were able to have an amazing afternoon together, just really connecting. I got to interview her fully aware of the fact that I was quite daunted by the task and even by her presence, by her. I felt she went out of her way to try and help me to sort of remember myself, so to speak, so that I could be effective in what I had to do.
0: Tuwene Gondwi Klaba launched O Magazine in South Africa and was also Oprah's representative in her absence. Samantha Page also worked at the magazine and she also went on to become both editor and representative, just like Tuwene. But was it Oprah's magazine and her guidance for life in name only? Or was she involved more closely? Here's Sam and Tawaini.
5: Oh, she, <laughs> she had a lot of say. And I have to say, in all honesty, it wasn't the easiest job. She was a very exacting person, professional with a very keen attention to detail. And I completely understood that. If it's you, it's your face on the cover. It's your message. It's your philosophy. People are going to hold you to what you say in this publication. She was a consummate professional at every interaction with her. One thing about Oprah Winfrey,
2: which is, I think, one of the secrets of her success, if I may be so presumptuous, would be the fact that if her name is on it, she wants to know about it and she would not abdicate responsibility for her own reputation and and this vision. So she owned it fully. I think that was like a really, really big thing. So as a result, every edition, every copy of the Oprah magazine that went out, when I was the editor of the launch edition, every single page was passed by her. It had to inspire her. That's what she gave me as a brief when we first met, by the way. Said the content I want to see out of here must make me feel like this is a different way to look at issues, or this is an amazing woman. You know, she wanted to be inspired by the content. If it doesn't tick her boxes, it's not going in. It's just not. And if it does, very gracious, would actually email me and say, this particular story, wow, amazing. Who is this person?
0: That was Tuwene gondwe Klaba, and before her, Samantha Page, both former editors of O Magazine in South Africa. Oprah Winfrey's personal vision and relationship seem to be key to her business approach. Here's Michael Johnston, a business strategist
4: and co-founder of Evolve Business Community in Perth, Australia. There's a humility about Oprah that connects people. And humility, in my opinion, isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. She focuses on her audience. And because of that, she's always connected to the value proposition of her business. Too often businesses fall in love with the products or they fall in love with the way they do business because it was successful at one point and they lose track of who they're doing it for. And when they do that, they lose the connection that gave them the edge in the first place. Like all businesses start because they were either a customer or they knew a customer or they were within a business where they thought I can do this better. And because of that, they got an edge, but then they let that go. The reason she's lasted as long as she has, in an industry, by the way, that is way more difficult than most industries to survive in, is because she always focuses on the customer. She's got a humility to her. I think she is
3: the kind of figure, as a Black woman, who was unimaginable
4: 50 years ago.
2: If her name is on it, she wants to know about it. She
4: took three years with all the resources in the world. She took three years to succeed with the O Network. You know, she gets that it's a long game.
2: She taught me how to make the perfect vodka martini. And she is so much fun. She was like playing yeah, with the whole team and she was taking the ingredients from the barman and saying, you know, South Africa, I'm gonna teach you how to make a perfect vodka martini. She's just richer or more multifaceted than I had anticipated or expected at the beginning.
6: Oh, I think she's, I would say, almost beloved. I think one of her gifts, she certainly nurtured this gift into a huge talent, was really being able to capitalize her career on the fact that she is a trusted source of information and she is a caring interviewer and people want to talk to her.
2: Was just to constantly be hungry to learn more and to be humble enough to learn more. Someone like Oprah with her credentials and her global stature would listen to someone like me. (laughs) A little African girl, you know, on the southernmost tip of the continent.
0: Oprah Winfrey is often referred to as the queen of all media. Known to most as simply Oprah, the American billionaire businesswoman has developed a highly successful personal brand as a trusted source that audiences come to for reliable information and a host that celebrities come to for what they feel will be a fair interview. Oprah was the richest African-American of the 20th century and her business success came in an America that still saw great differences in the opportunities available to black people. Professor Mark Anthony Neal works in the Department of African and African-American Studies at Duke
3: University. Advertising, entertainment, television, film, whatever, other forms, uh, magazine publishing, there were few people who looked like her, both in terms of being African-Americans and also in terms of being African-American women. She had to, on one level, absolutely be pristine in her business practice. People who had a lot of money had to trust that she could deliver, but Oprah built her brand in terms of building her audience with stuff that was always going to be sustainable. Folks were always going to want to read books to feel better about themselves, or eventually read a magazine about feeling better about themselves, or eventually, you know, go to a website, right, that has Oprah's name on it to feel better about themselves folks are always going to have to need paper towels, right, and napkins to go back to those kind of basic things that she helped deliver her audience to advertisers for. And so in that regard, you know, when she was able to sustain herself on an aspect of commercial culture that everyone sees as sustainable, right, and that there's highly competitive in its own right, You know, if you're a paper towel company and you're competing with all these other companies, right, to be able to get the stamp of approval by being shown doing Oprah show gave you a competitive edge. And I think that's the thing that really shift when folks realize that Oprah's connection to them, that the Oprah brand gave them a competitive edge in their own business practices, right, in their own industries. That's when they really did trust her to be able to deliver what she said she could deliver.
0: It wasn't just other businesses that put their trust in Oprah. Her audience keenly have bought into her as an inspiration to follow her vision and philosophy. Samantha Page worked for Oprah at O Magazine in South Africa.
5: I think Oprah was a real pioneer because when the magazine, it launched in the US in 2000 and two years later, due in part, I think, to Oprah Winfrey's relationship that she had with Nelson Mandela and her deep desire to do meaningful work in South Africa in a way that showed Nelson Mandela her commitment. She launched the magazine with no desire at all to make any money from it, but really just to empower women, not in a condescending way, I think it's important to say it wasn't from the perspective of, you know, here's this American woman coming to inspire South African women to do something. I think she recognised that globally women were really fighting to find their voice and find a significant place in the world.
0: Tuwene Godwa-Klabber was invited to be the launch editor of O! magazine in South Africa. She met with Oprah before they started work on it.
2: I think she wanted to sort of fill me out what are my personal values and philosophies that's kind of how she operates she wasn't looking for a functionary i found out then. she was looking for someone whose sort of personal values were aligned to what she was trying to to sell if i can put it that way someone who actually thinks that the changes and the growth and the movement you want in your personal life actually are in your hands and not somewhere out there i mean you can be inspired by something out there but personal agency is very important to her as a mindset personal agency you want things to happen you get up and you get going or you find people who can help you to do that or you read books that can help you to unlock that thinking in your mind or you you reach out to people who know that and you learn so she's a perpetual learner i would say and probably that's one of the biggest things that i learned from her Someone like Oprah, with her credentials and her global stature, would listen to someone like me, a little African girl, you know, on the southernmost tip of the continent, you can present ideas to her, I found I could present ideas, I could make suggestions, and she would genuinely listen and genuinely want to know what my point of view was.
0: Her connection with South Africa's first black president, Nelson Mandela, known by South Africans as Madiba, saw Oprah tour South Africa with O Magazine. Oprah's fame saw her team find themselves in unusual situations. Tuweni Gondwa Klaba was on that tour.
2: we were obviously staying at a hotel she was staying at madiba's house for us to even go and end up on the property we were all just like what is actually happening right now how are we finding ourselves in this crazy world where you're with oprah winfrey and nelson mandela and grash michelle his wife is like organizing drinks for you you're just like what is going on right now but even there just to see how speak to her about stuff the attentiveness and the listening and the questions that she would ask and I observed that and I had so much respect for that, you know, and I also found that, okay, we might see her as this giant figure, but she too has her own giant figure in her head, so to speak. And that was Madiba, she just, she just, you know, she really respected him a lot. We had a final sort of gift giving ceremony on his property and people stormed the fence just to see the way in which, you know, she mobilized to make sure that everybody gets something. And my experience of her was of a person who felt a lot and was able to convert those feelings, whether they were feelings of joy or sadness or disappointment or whatever, into something that she had to convert it into positive energy.
0: Tuwene Gondwa-Klaba worked closely with opera on this tour of South Africa for *O* magazine. She says she saw the businesswoman and the celebrity but also another element of Oprah's personality.
2: Got to see her in an environment where there were no cameras, her hair wasn't done, and she was wearing a head wrap on her head, dishing out gifts to children, like school bags with books and shoes and so on. So the kids had to line up in queues of their age groups to receive their gifts. And this child kept moving into the wrong queue, and we kept moving this girl back into the girl's queue because she had to be measured and he kept moving into the boy's queue. And then eventually she asked him and she said, something's going on here. I don't know why he keeps insisting on going in that queue. What's going on? And she's so perceptive. Cause I didn't notice. I don't think any of us noticed. And we found out that this little girl was actually a boy, but he was wearing his sister's skirt. That's how poor they were. He didn't have clothes to wear to come to the gift receiving ceremony. When this happened, when she found out what it was, she excused herself and went to, like, a mobile trailer type of thing. And, you know, she cried. And she came out laughing, smiling, playing with the kids. And I felt almost, you know, to not show the child or show anybody that she sees anything untoward about that situation because it would bring sort of negative attention to the child, so to speak. Oprah's
0: personality built a media following and a brand and then companies that made her a billionaire. What kind of leader is she? Business strategist Michael Johnston is the co-founder of Evolve Business Community in Perth, Australia.
4: She's always engaged in that giving before receiving because she knows who her client is. She just gets her client. She gets them on a deep, deep level. She gets what makes them tick, why they come to her show, what they love about the show. And she's able to reproduce that. And she's not only just able to reproduce that within the show, she's been able to reproduce that in different products throughout her life. Oprah gets that she doesn't have to know everything about her business. She doesn't have to cover every single skill required in the business. What she's got to do is inspire a team of people that would be willing to help her. To do that, you've got to have a bigger vision. You've got to have something that they want to help with. And I think Oprah does that really well. And then you've got to have something that you can leverage back. And I think. Oprah does that really well. She knows how to make a difference. She knows how to give first.
0: Tawaini Gondwa-Klaba saw Oprah's management style firsthand in her role as founding editor of O Magazine in South Africa and as Oprah's representative.
2: The one time I would say I think she got a bit irritated with me (laughs) was that I was slow to respond to a certain request for something that she had because I didn't have a Blackberry. Um, We did have Blackberries in South Africa at the time. And I think she thought that I would have gotten the message immediately. And so she was like, I asked for this yesterday and I really needed this information, et cetera. And that's when I I learned very quickly, like, okay, her expectation of turnaround times is immense because she's worked with this giant operation globally. And when you work in TV, work is done in increments of seconds, not a day to turn something around. So she's not the kind of person who comes down hard on people has a very clear view of the, what they want. you got clear direction. And I think she used positive affirmation to great effect because we got to know through her affirmations of when we did something really well, that we did more of that.
0: Samantha Page was editor of O Magazine in South Africa when the decision was made to close it down.
5: You know, there were often times where we had to have really difficult conversations. The magazine towards the, I would say, at the 10-year mark, I think globally... We felt deeply that we needed a digital product in addition to the magazine. And at that point, uh, the Oprah team were not keen to do that. So it was a good call, I think, at the time. You know, print was not everyone's first choice uh, after the 10-year mark. People started to be a little disillusioned with celebrities. We, at that point, had established trust And we needed to have some difficult conversations along with the publishers, associated media. And I think it was a difficult decision to say, you know, this is it at the 12-year mark. People were not subscribing to the magazine. She was open to those conversations. She's a businesswoman. And so she viewed all of those conversations through a business lens.
0: That was Samantha Page. I'm Rod Little. you're listening to Global Disruptors on Disrupt Radio Australia. So, we've heard a lot about how Oprah built a brand on her engagement with her audience, her empathy and people's trust in her. But in business, she was still willing to close down a product she had created in South Africa, supposedly out of her respect for President Nelson Mandela. Business strategist Michael Johnston is the co-founder of Evolve Business Community in Perth, Australia.
4: Oprah has an ability to create deals throughout her life. She is very, very shrewd and she knows how to cut a deal. She did it for the, so when she bought the network, she did it in terms of Weight Watchers as well. When she was running her show, right, she had like a falling out with her network. They didn't want to kind of keep paying her what she was asking for. Rather than going back and renegotiating her salary, she actually backed herself. She negotiated the ownership of the TV show and the studio where it was produced. And so she took on a bit of risk. So she reversed the risk for the network. And then rather than just being a spokesperson for Weight Watchers, by the way, she negotiated a piece of the company because she was using it. She loved the product. So she took a smaller upfront. This is, by the way, exactly what Bill Gates did. Most business owners can't do that at all. They're not willing to back themselves the way she is and what makes her such a shrewd negotiator is the fact that she's willing to back herself and what she does is she took less and then said look if there's a result in the fact that i am a spokesperson for this i'll take a piece of that instead if oprah did that for every deal she faced she'd probably be broke but like knowing when to back yourself and when you've got something i think that's what makes her a shrewd operator
0: The vast majority of media companies in the U.S. are owned and run by white people. The Oprah Winfrey Show, which ran from 1986 to 2011, while hosted and owned by a black woman, had a predominantly white audience. In 2011, the Oprah Winfrey Network was launched. Her black audience evolved over time, according to Professor Mark Anthony Neal. He is from the Department of African and African-American Studies at Duke University, and he saw OWN unfold as a TV network.
3: There are always these kind of questions about what it's going to be. I mean, it's the Oprah Winfrey Network, right? But it also resonates as black-owned. But I also imagine that she's not thinking that this is just a black network, right? That she wants to be able to draw a mass audience. In the early days, there were some challenges, right? And it's really a key collaboration that she does with Tyler Perry. He can deliver a broad-based, diverse audience with movies that didn't cost a whole lot of money. And I think for many Black audiences that didn't quite know what an Oprah channel was going to look like, it validated her in some way. And I think what she did then, you know, once she brought an audience, she began to introduce more serious content. Oprah, because of her connections in Hollywood and because of the trust that folks in Hollywood, Black and white, had for her, you know, allowed her to be able to do some really serious programming. In the early days of her show, it felt as though, you know, given her size, right, and even girth, you know, at some point in her career and given her white audience, it, it felt the same way that the black mammy played in the context of white households, and, and particularly in relationship to white women and taking care of the family and the household and the kids. I don't necessarily feel that way about what she was doing now. You know, What I now recognize is that she was actually quite shrewd into developing this relationship with a white audience. A white woman audience, right? That obviously she could deliver to advertisers that helped build her expansive brand, right? But also meant when she was ready to really draw a line in the sand, in particular, black issues that matter to her, that she might be able to move that audience, right, with her as she drew that line in the sand.
0: It took further business acumen from Oprah Winfrey to make the network a success. Business strategist Michael Johnston is the co-founder of Evolve Business Community in Perth,
4: Australia. But for three years, the O network was failing. You know, the, one of the lessons I tried to teach everybody is that business is a long game. It's like monopoly, right? The idea is to stick in the game until they figure out the value proposition. You know, good ideas fail all the time. The only reason a business fails is because it stopped. It either ran out of money, sort of overspent its budget, and it couldn't make the profits back. So it just ran out of cash. And if you look at Oprah and you go, look, she took three years with all the resources in the world. She took three years to succeed with the O network. You know, she gets that it's a long game.
0: So what lessons and advice can we take from all of Oprah Winfrey's business success? Tawaini Gondwa-Klaba launched the Oprah magazine in South Africa.
2: She said very clearly, she said, it sounds so cliché, but it's people. I make sure I surround myself with excellence. I don't compromise on that. And that way, I don't have to lie awake at night worrying about if stuff is getting done and done right. So she's quite insistent on someone who has sort of a spirit of excellence, but at the same time also, she wants people who care a little more than just, you know, for the job, I would say.
0: Author Dr. Tanya Lee Stone sees value in the lesson that Oprah learned when she left working in news.
6: People's careers are these pathways their journeys that you take you know finding out what you don't want to do is almost as important as finding out what you do want to do and she had this background already of broadcast journalism that allowed her to move into this new position of talk show host and it was just a perfect fit
0: with oprah as a role model tabney Doja is a journalist and ceo of tabney Doja, a black owned media company
1: you don't have to say Oprah Winfrey, you say Oprah, you say Prince, you say Madonna, that one word, Beyonce. And so the fact that you see O and Oprah everywhere, I do and own, I have Tabney, Tab and TDE, the initials of Tabney Dozier Enterprises. They have their names in everything. And so I followed that, you know, like, what am I going to call my business? Well, let's just start and let's keep it simple. The blueprint has been laid. You know, utilize your name, trademark it, and put it everywhere. I'm on my way. And she paved it. She paved that path.
0: Oprah's ultimate success came in the realization that less can often be worth much more. Duke University's Professor Mark
3: Anthony Neal. As audiences got so comfortable and used to her in their talk show role, how she removes herself from that and picks and chooses when she wants to reemerge. And when she does reemerge, it's an event. So that when she sits down with Harry and his wife, right, to do these interviews for CBS, right, it is a national event. It's a reminder of how good I was and how, you know, you're just not gonna have that kind of access to me anymore. And in making herself less accessible over the last 15 years, it has really been the way for her to build herself as this iconic figure thinking broadly beyond her talk show. The magazine, the Oprah book club, when she finally got involved very seriously with television and film production. You know, I think she was very shrewd in terms of expanding where her touch points were in culture, you know, because she became this kind of role model for being on the grind continuously. I think for a generation of black entertainers and black entrepreneurs in the entertainment industry, she really was a primary role model for expanding your brand. Well, that Harry interview
0: is a case in point. There are many people on the other side of the Atlantic who would view Oprah's rise to superstardom as utterly mystifying. As an interviewer, she can be bland and bizarrely credulous, not to mention patently partisan. Serious issues do not sit easily with her, and she has scant ability as an inquisitor. But then, that was not how she made her name. Instead, her early shows were gentle, good-natured and comforting. Since then, she has been acute enough to move with the times, and has straddled America's increasingly rancorous racial divide with great acumen to have become what we might call a mega-icon. And very, very rich indeed. I'm Rob Middle and this is Global Disruptors, a perfectly normal production for Disrupt Radio Australia. Disrupt Radio, tune in to opportunity. Disrupt Radio.
5: Hi, I'm Nick Brax,
0: host of Soul Trader on Disrupt Radio.
6: I've been interviewing people who have achieved
0: huge things in life and uncovering how they keep it together and how they survive the struggle to success. You can listen to all of my podcasts on Apple, Spotify or whichever podcast you prefer. Just search Nick Brax, Soul Trader. When you finish binging all of my shows, be sure to check out the rest of the Disrupt Podcast library, the Business Lounge, the Next Shift, Global Disruptors, the Advisory Board and Conscious Capital. Maybe you own a business or an entrepreneur or just simply want to improve yourself. Disrupt Podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
4: Tune in to Opportunity Disrupt Radio.